long history. The southern United States in the 1500s, part 14, Friendship in Arkansas. Hello everyone and welcome to the latest episode of Long History. We're actually on episode 14 of the southern United States in the 1500s. A quick introduction for any new listeners. This text describes an expedition from the mid-1500s to explore large parts of the southerly states of the US, from Florida to Arkansas and most of the states in between. The head of the expedition was a man called Hernando de Soto and it began in April 1538. This text was written by a Portuguese man known as the Gentleman of Elvis. This is episode 14 of a 25-part series, so episodes 1 to 13 have already been released if you want to go back and listen to those. And don't forget to subscribe to be notified of the other episodes when they're released. Here at Long History we like to do the opposite of those kind of brief histories and give you the full details, hopefully in digestible chunks of 10 minutes or so. Okay, and on to this episode, in the two years since his expedition began, Hernando de Soto appears to have developed an increasingly poor reputation among the local people. The further westward he has gone, the fiercer the attacks have been against him. However, having crossed Mississippi and entered Arkansas, the people here appear not to have been forewarned about the arrival of the Europeans. De Soto and his men, therefore, are able to reset their terrible relations with the local people. In the previous episode, for example, the local people responded relatively peacefully to the arrival of the Spanish expedition, despite the latter's belligerence. As the previous section ended, Hernando de Soto, called the governor here, was cautiously greeted by a local leader, despite having captured and killed some of his vassals. This episode begins with Hernando de Soto's response to the local leader's greetings. Based presumably on recent terrible experiences with local people, Hernando de Soto chooses to move on quickly rather than risk provoking another conflict. So here we go with the southern United States in the 1500s, part 14, Friendship in Arkansas. The governor responded appropriately, in a few words which satisfied the chief. Directly, they fell to making each other great proffers, using much courtesy. The cacique inviting the governor to go and take lodging in his houses. He excused himself, the better to preserve peace, saying that he wished to lie in the field, and, because the heat was excessive, he pitched the camp among some trees, quarter of a league from the town. The cacique went to his town and returned with many Indians singing, who, when they had come to where the governor was, all prostrated themselves. Among them were two blind men. The cacique made an address, of which, as it was long, I will give the substance in a few words. He said that inasmuch as the governor was son of the sun, he begged him to restore sight to those Indians. Whereupon the blind men arose, and they very earnestly entreated him to do so. Soto answered them, that in the heaven above there was one who had the power to make them whole, and do whatever they could ask of him, whose servant he was, that this great Lord made the sky and the earth and man after his image, that he had suffered on the tree of the true cross to save the human race, and risen from the grave on the third day. What of man there was of him dying, what of divinity being immortal, and that, Having ascended into heaven, he was there with open arms to receive all that would be converted to him. He then directed a lofty cross of wood to be made and set up in the highest part of the town, declaring to the cacique that the Christians worshipped that in the form and memory of the one on which Christ suffered. He placed himself with his people before it on their knees, which the Indians did likewise, and he told them that from that time thenceforth they should thus worship the Lord of whom he had spoken to them, that was in the skies, asking him for whatsoever they stood in need of. The chief, being asked what was the distance to Pacaja, he answered 
that it was one day's journey, and said that on the extreme of his territory there was a lake, like an estuary, that entered into the Rio Grande, to which he would send persons in advance to build a bridge, whereby they might pass over it. The night of the day the governor left, he slept at the town of Caski, and the next day he passed in sight of two other towns, and arrived at the lake, which was half a crossbow shot over, of great depth and swiftness of current. The Indians had just got the bridge done as he came up. It was built of wood, in the manner of timber thrown across from tree to tree, one side there being a rail of poles, higher than the rest, as a support for those who should pass. The cacique of Caski, having come with his people, the governor sent word by an Indian to the cacique of Pacaja, that though he might be at enmity with him of Caski, and that chief be present, he should receive neither injury nor insult, provided that he attended in peace and desired his friendship, for as a brother he would treat him. The Indian went as he was bid, and returned, stating that the cacique took no notice of the message, but that he fled out of the town from the back port with all his people. Then the governor entered there, and with the cavalry charged in the direction the Indians were running, and at another town a quarter of a league off, many were taken. As fast as they were captured, the horsemen delivered them to the Indians of Caski, who, from being their enemies, brought them with great heed and pleasure to the town where the Christians were, greatly regretting that they had not the liberty to kill them. Many shawls, deerskins, lion and bearskins, and many catskins were found in the town. Numbers, who had been a long time badly covered, there clothed themselves. Of the shawls they made mantles and cassocks, some made gowns and lined them with catskins, as they also did the cassocks. Of the deerskins were made jerkins, shirts, stockings and shoes, and from the bearskins they made very good cloaks, such as no water could get through. They found shields of raw cowhide, out of which armour was made for the horses. Chapter 24 Of how the cacique of Pacaja came in peace, and he of Caski, having absented himself, returned to excuse his conduct, and how the governor made friendship between the chiefs. On Wednesday, the 19th day of June, the governor entered Pacaja and took quarters in the town where the cacique was accustomed to reside. It was enclosed and very large. In the towers and palisade were many loopholes. There was much dried maize, and the new was in great quantity throughout the fields. At the distance of half a league to a league off were large towns, all of them surrounded with stockades. Where the governor stayed was a great lake, near to the enclosure, and the water entered a ditch that well nigh went round the town. From the river Grande to the lake was a canal, through which the fish came into it, and where the chief kept them for his eating and pastime. With nets that were found in the place, as many were taken as need required, and however much might be the casting, there was never any lack of them. In the many other lakes about there were also many fish, though the flesh was soft, and none of it so good as that which came from the river. The greater number differ from those in the fresh water of Spain. There was a fish called bagre, the third part of which was head, with gills from end to end, and along the sides were great spines like very sharp awls. Those of this sort that lived in the lake were as big as pike. In the river were some that weighed from 100 to 150 pounds. Many were taken with the hook. There was one in the shape of barbel, another like bream with the head of a hake, having a colour between red and brown, and was the most esteemed. There was likewise a kind called peel fish, the snout a cubit in length, the upper lip being shaped like a shovel. Another fish was like a shad, except the bagres and the peel, they were all of scale. There was one, called Pereo, the Indians sometimes brought, the size of a hog, and had rows of teeth above and below. 
The cacique of Kaski many times sent large presents of fish, shawls and skins. Having told the governor that he would deliver into his hands the cacique of Pacaja, he went to Kaski and ordered many canoes to ascend the river, while he should march by land, taking many of his warriors. The governor, with forty cavalry and sixty infantry, was conducted by him upstream, and the Indians, who were in the canoes, discovered the cacique of Pacaja on an islet between two arms of the river. Five Christians entered a canoe, of whom was Don Antonio Osorio, to go in advance and see what number of people the cacique had with him. There were five or six thousand souls, of whom, directly as they saw the people, taking the Indians who went in the canoes to be Christians also, the cacique, and as many as could get into three canoes that were there, fled to the opposite bank, the greater part of the rest in terror and confusion plunging into the river to swim. Many, mostly women and infants, got drowned. Then the governor, who was on land, without knowing of what was passing with Don Antonio and those who accompanied him, ordered the Christians, in all haste, to enter the canoes with the Indians of Caski, and they, directly joining Don Antonio on the islet, many men and women were taken, and much clothing. Many clothes, which the Indians had in cane hurdles and on rafts to carry over, floated downstream, the people of Caski filling their canoes with them, and, in fear that the Christians might take these away, their chief went off with them down the river to his territory, without taking leave. At this, the governor became indignant, and directly returning to Pacaja, two leagues on the road, he overran the country of Caski, capturing twenty or thirty of its men. The horses being tired, and there remaining no time that day to go farther, he went on to Pacaja, with the intention of marching in three or four days upon Caski, directly letting loose a man of Pacaja, sending word by him to its chief, that should he wish his friendship, he should come to him, and together they would go to carry war upon Kaski. And immediately there arrived many people of Pacaja, bringing as the chief an Indian who was exposed by a prisoner, brother of the cacique. The governor told them that their lord must come, that he well knew that Indian was not he, for that nothing could be done without its being known to him before they so much as thought of it. The cacique came the next day, followed by many Indians, with a large gift of fish, skins and shawls. He made a speech that all were glad to hear, and concluded by saying that although his lordship had causelessly inflicted injury on his country and his subjects, it did not any the less cease to be his, and was always at his command. The governor ordered his brother to be let go, and some principal men he held captives. That day, a messenger arrived from Kaski, saying that his master would come early in the morrow, to excuse the error he had committed in going away without his license to which the governor bade him say in return to the cacique that if he did not come himself in person, he would go after him and inflict the punishment he deserved. The chief of Kaski came the next day, and after presenting many shawls, skins and fish, he gave the governor a daughter, saying that his greatest desire was to unite his blood with that of so great a lord as he was, begging that he would take her to wife. He made a long and discreet oration, full of praise of Soto, and concluded by asking his forgiveness for the love of that cross he had left, for having gone off without his permission, that he had done so because of the shame he felt for what his people had done without his consent. The governor said that he had taken a good sponsor, that he had himself determined, if the cacique had not come to apologise, to go after him and burn his towns, kill him and his people, and lay waste to his country. To this the chief replied, Master, I and mine belong to you, and my territory is yours, 
so that you will destroy it if you will as your own, and your people you will slay. All that falls from your hand I shall receive as from my lords, and as merited chastisement. Know that the service you have done me in leaving that cross has been signal, and more than I have deserved. For, you know, of great droughts the maize in our fields was perishing, and no sooner had I and mine thrown ourselves on our knees before it asking for water than the want was supplied. The governor made friendship between the chiefs of Kaski and Pakaha, and placed them at the table, that they should eat with him. They had a difficulty as to who should sit at his right hand, which the governor quieted by telling them that among the Christians the one seat was as good as the other, that they should so consider it, and while with him no one should understand otherwise, each taking the seat he first came to. Thence he sent thirty horsemen and fifty footmen to the province of Kalusa, to see if in that direction they could turn back towards Chiska, where the Indians said there was a foundry of gold and copper. They travelled seven days through desert, and returned in great extremity, eating green plums and maystalks, which they had found in a poor town of seven or eight houses. The Indians stated that thence towards the north, the country, being very cold, was very thinly populated, that cattle were in such plenty no maize field could be protected from them, and the inhabitants lived upon the meat. Seeing that the country was so poorly off for maize that there could be no support, the governor asked the Indians in what direction there were most inhabitants, and they said that they had knowledge of a large province and a country of great abundance, called Kiguate, that lay in the southerly direction. The people in this area appear to have no foreknowledge of the arrival of the expedition, even believing the new arrivals to be healers. This gives Hernando de Soto the opportunity to explain his religion. From here, the Spanish intervene in a dispute between two groups, the Chasqui and the Pacaja. Hernando de Soto, however, is here in a search for riches, so keeps moving on, always hunting for better lands, ones worthy of reporting back to the authorities when his expedition comes to an end. In the next episode, Hernando de Soto and his expedition will continue their hunt for these rich lands, crossing the whole of northern Arkansas. Thank you everyone for listening to the latest episode of Long History. Don't forget as always to give it a like before you go. There are plenty of other episodes to explore on Long History, as well as the first 13 parts of this series. We've got descriptions of the first voyage around the world, of Columbus's voyage across the Atlantic, some early documents about the colonization of the Philippines, and many more. So thank you for listening to the Southern United States in the 1500s, part 14, Friendship in Arkansas. Goodbye.